Hey, Jep, why did the golfer bring two pairs of pants to the golf course? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? In case he gets a hole-in-one. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode four of the podcast. We are filming this on June 25th, Thursday. Notice I say Thursday because I will be going out of town on Friday. So we wanted to make sure we got you a podcast um, to listen to on Tuesday. So we're filming this early. We have a sort of different style. Um, I, have, I am, of course, joined by my fabulous co-host, Jep. Say hi to the people. Hello, guys. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday. It is not Tuesday here. Once again, it is Thursday. And just like that, let me explain what we're doing today. So we have one thing we want to certainly talk about at the beginning, which is the changes uh, in the MLB because the Players Association and owners have agreed to play a 60-game season uh, with a few changes. And then right after that, we went to Twitter and asked people um, for questions to kind of uh, fuel this um, on-the-spot podcast. So we have a lot of questions from a lot of people, and we're going we're gonna to get those through. And, uh, yeah, we hope you enjoy this uh, different kind of episode. Um, so, Jordan, why don't you start us off with the changes in Major League Baseball? Okay, so the MLB and the MLBPA, the MLBPA being the Players Association, which is the union for the players, they have been in <clears throat> contract negotiations, well, not exactly contract negotiations, but negotiations and discussion on how to go about bringing back the season. They were going back and forth. It looked like there was no chance that anything was going to get figured out. The players were sending in ideas, and the owners were throwing it away and saying, no, we don't like that, and then sending in their own stuff, and then the players were like, no, we don't like that. We won't even counter-argue that. We're just going to throw that in the dumpster and move on and send you our own thing. They went back and forth. There was no agreements at all on anything until the players decided that they were going to say, hey, tell us when, we will come and play. And the owner said, okay, we'll give you a date. Let's work on it, and then they are just now working on, I believe, like health and safety protocols and yeah. everything. Well, uh, yeah, they have a couple health and safety protocols worked out already. However, training camp for the upcoming season will start within the next couple of days. Um, so they've got to get the, a few things ironed out before training camp starts. So what I know is that the MLB is going from a 162-game season to a 60-game season. And they will pay the players pro rata, meaning that they will pay them in proportion a contract that they would have gotten to the number of games. So they are paying them 37% of their original contract in exchange for them playing 37% of the games. And in addition to this, they will make a couple changes to the rules and regulations of the sport of baseball. So for example, for those who don't know, I don't know a ton about baseball, but I know that one of the leagues does designated hitters, yep. which means that that player's position is purely just to hit the ball when they're on quote-unquote offense. I don't really know. Yeah, so the AL has designated hitter, meaning the pitcher does not have to hit, so the pitcher can just focus on pitching, make sure he doesn't get injured at all, while in the NL, it's more of a purist league where the pitcher is all, is um, uh, is hitting, usually in the ninth spot, and um, it, it's just more of a pure game. Uh, of baseball. And then another change that they're making is they are requiring that when they go to extra innings that a player starts on second base to start off the inning for each team. 
and I assume that this is to expedite the process of extended innings so that yeah. they can get the game done quicker so it takes less time and, to, as you were saying, to save the relief pitchers. Yeah, so what the MLB has been striving toward uh, for the past multiple, multiple years is to make the game shorter, make the games go faster because in... In uh, the youth today, in millennials today, we like fast-paced things, and we have short attention spans. And that's what the uh, Major League Baseball is trying to um, uh, appeal to, right? So um, in a league with so many changes, what, what Rob Manfred wanted to do was start implementing things uh, to try to cut down on time and see if they work or not. And what, what better way to start in an already messed-up uh, season but to uh, start here because uh, it's it's pretty much a good trial year for anything you really want to want to try and if if it's, it's if it's a hit then it sticks uh, for the upcoming season if people don't like it then uh, Rob Manfred and the MLB will just get rid of it uh, next season but um, what what Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball want to do is to cut down on times of the game a, a big factor in what is drawing out the average length of games are those games that go into the 14th or the 15th inning where it just doesn't seem like any end is near. So what they want to test this season is putting a runner on second base at the start of every extra inning, meaning all you really need to do is get an extra base hit or even a single, and that runner can come in and score. And that will try to expedite things um, in this process in uh you know in overtime cut down on those uh, games hopefully get those over in the 10th or the 11th inning instead of going on to the 14th or 15th and wasting all your relievers uh another change that was implemented was that relief pitchers must face three batters now this was implemented at the beginning of the season before uh spring training before all of this covid stuff they wanted to test this this season um so the three batter minimum rule for all relief uh, pitchers um, to cut down on all the time it takes to change pitchers because what you'll have in uh, the NL especially is you'll bring, it, bring in a relief pitcher for one batter and then you'll replace them with somebody who throws left-handed or right-handed for the next upcoming batters. And what that does is it takes time to change pitchers throughout the game, just drawing on the game. So to kind of get rid of that, the MLB has uh, put in place the three-batter minimum, and that will still be holding uh, in this new 60-game format. Okay, so as someone who does not know a lot about baseball and everything, for reference, a relief pitcher is sort of like a backup pitcher. Well, is that a fair thing to say? So, your your goal is obviously to get through nine innings, and it's it's very very rare when you can find someone who can go through all nine innings, no problem. In fact, it, it's it's hard to find any unless you're top top pitchers. You'll 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 see pitchers get maybe five or six completed games um, if they if they pitch really really well, but um, yeah, no, you want to bring in a fresh arm after your starter gets uh, tired or um, all that. So you want to, you know, just bring in the relief pitcher, fifth, sixth inning, get in another relief pitcher. And at that point, it's, it's playing. Uh, a lot of managers will play the, uh, the batters in righty-lefty 
um, try to get right-handed pitchers for um, right-handed hitters, left-handed pitchers for left-handed hitters, and all that. So it just it takes a lot of time to change those pitchers when you're playing righty-lefty. So what Rob Manfred and management wanted to get rid of was the um, the timing of taking away relief pitchers. And I know from my experience, I went to an A&M baseball game, and we were playing a team, and we were beating them by a ton. So to save the arms of the starting pitchers, they started putting in the relief pitchers and yeah. cycling through them so they can both get experience and so that they can save the arms of the main pitchers for later games where they're playing heavier competition. And I can say from my experience that the switching of the pitchers just takes a lot of extra time because obviously there's the little theatric of them all like moving around and everything like that. But then there's also, you know, the warm-up that they have to do a little bit beforehand. So this would save time for the M- this would save time for the MLB, I would assume. Yeah. And one of the big issues that, for example, someone like me has when trying to watch MLB on TV versus watching baseball in person is that in person you get to see everything that's going on, you get to experience the environment, but when you're watching it on TV, it feels like it's taking too long, people are moving too slow, people are just standing there a lot of the time, and it can get kind of taxing to try and watch that and keep my focus on that. So I can see this being a very good thing to try and help expedite the game and to help bring back interest during a shortened season. Yeah. Um, going back to the, to the three batter minimum, um, it's good to test this out this year where it's 60 games, everything's different. Um, but at the beginning of the season, you had a lot of purists calling out Rob Manfred. And ladies and gentlemen, purists are the people who do not want to change the game at all. They do not care about the intention span of uh, the upcoming generations. They want to stick to baseball and keep baseball what it was growing up, what it always has been. Um, you have pure strategy and shift and in uh, righty-lefty. And uh, with this three-batter minimum, you're, you're taking away a lot of the strategy of the game. So I consider myself a little bit of a purist where I just like how baseball is uh, and always has been. I'm not a big fan of the three batter minimum, but in any season to implement this, you could not have picked a better season because we have an extended playoff. We have um, the second uh, base runner in the extra innings. This is not a purist uh, season. This is not a season that purists are going to love. Um, but at the end of the day, if there was a season to test this, why not a 60-game season and, and where there's no fans and it's only uh, on TV where you can watch these games? And um, So, yeah, I think timing happened perfectly with this. And I'm, I'm always uh, uh, open to see uh, what could help the league because it's, it doesn't take a genius to see that the MLB is struggling you, uh, with a... Uh, PEDs to begin with, and then you have uh, cheating in the Houston Astros, and then um, you have the failure to negotiate a deal until the end of June between owners and players. Um, the league was in a very, very bad place. And so, um, yeah, I, I, think this, uh, I think this will help, and I think this is a testing season. Uh, one thing that I would like to mention, too, about the idea of using this sort of as a trial year for particular uh, rule implementations and everything, is that that's not anything new to sports. I know, as far as I know, 
whenever there are shortened seasons in the NBA, they tend to try things out. Like whenever there's a lockout yeah. year, they, they will maybe try something out for a year, see if it sticks. And if it doesn't, it's no big deal because it was a shortened season anyways. And, for example, during this playoff, they are going to do a play-in game, as we mentioned in one of our previous episodes. I believe it was our first episode? Oh, I think it might be our second episode. Oh, one of our episodes. And the the NBA is back episode. If yes, you haven't listened to it, two. go listen to it. But um, they are implementing a play-in for the 8th seed, between the 8th seed and the ninth seed, which is something akin to what they do in <coughs> the uh, March Madness tournament, where they have a play-in for the 16th seed during NCAA basketball. So they are kind of trying it out. It's something that has been talked about as a possible implementation for the NBA playoffs in the future. And I assume that they were like, let's try it this season. It makes it more fair for the players. And if it sticks, we'll run with it. If it doesn't, we'll abandon it and move on. And then, for example, the NFL, they love to try out new things during preseason games because preseason games are the games that do not count towards the actual uh, record of a team. They are typically played by backup players for the most part, and during that shortened stint, they like to try out different things, see if it sticks. So it's nothing new to try out new stuff and just see how people react to it, how people respond to it, how it affects the game. So I could see this definitely being something that the MLB is doing just to try and see if it sticks. If it doesn't, they'll go on, but if it works, then keep it. But with these couple of changes and the shortened season and everything like that, do you do you think that there would be an asterisk on the season for the champion, as in people would be like, oh, this championship doesn't really quite matter as much as other championships? There will be an asterisk, I believe. But I guarantee you, it will not near the asterisk that will be put on the 2017 Houston Astros World Series. With that... World Series, I highly doubt anyone will ever question the integrity of this upcoming World Series with the 60-game season and the expanded playoffs only because of what compared to it in 2017 with the absolute fraudulence of a franchise in the Houston Astros. Ladies and gentlemen, if you cannot tell, I am extremely against the Houston Astros um, and their whole cheating scandal and pretty much anyone that has to do within, within that organization. Um, at this moment of time, I personally believe it should be taken away. Um, but going back to this, yes, I believe there will be a small asterisk, but I, I, I doubt um, it would be on anyone's mind compared to the 2017 asterisk. So would you say, I, I just want a quick answer to this one, but you, you assume that there will be an asterisk just because that's how the media works, that's how people react. But in your opinion, do you think there should be an asterisk? Um... Or do you see this as a no, fair game? No, I, I believe I believe this is this is as fair as they can get it, and I think this is um, a fair game because with so many changes, um, it, it's kind of a different league, but at, at the same time, it's still fair. And, it, and at the end of the season, you will have the best team getting the World Series title. Okay, because that is a question that's commonly being brought up for the NBA and the playoffs, and will this year have an asterisk for the champion and a lot of time what I'm seeing is, no, it shouldn't have an asterisk, and we agree that there shouldn't be one, but inevitably people will question the validity at some point 
whether it's for, like, attention or to create an argument or anything like that as well because everybody's being affected by it. So it's about as fair. But with the NBA, a lot of time people are saying, like, oh, maybe if one of the smaller teams, like the lesser teams, wins. So, for example, the favorites are probably the Lakers, the Bucks, the Clippers, and the Raptors. Raptors. But they all... I've seen people saying things along the lines of, oh, if the Mavericks or the 76ers go out and win, then we might question it a little bit more because it was an underdog story and it's like, did things affect it or did it just happen normally? So let's transition. So we received this question from Mr. Preskinis and he asked, will the MLB changes help small market teams? And I will kick that over to you, Ethan. Uh, first off, uh, I'd like to say this with a big shout-out to Mr. Piskinis. He was our first question. Uh, he's like a dad to both me and Jordan Epp. Uh, we, we really, really love you deep down, man. Um, and thank you so much for submitting this question. Um, I believe that these changes will definitely help small market teams, and here's why. Um, you're only playing 37% of the salary. So... Small market teams um, definitely have a lot less. Even with the ticket sales not being relevant, they have a lot less to worry about with salary. And um, so with this, with the 60-game season, 60 games is a lot easier to watch than 162 games. And I believe that you're going to generate a lot more fan interest with these 60 games just because nobody can honestly sit down and watch a full game of baseball on their couch every single weeknight or six six nights six nights a week um and fully support the team and with these changes um generating more fan interest a lot comes with fan interest you're going to be selling more merchandise you're going to be getting a lot more views on these tv contracts meaning more money for your team. Um, is this ideal for small market teams? No. Uh, at the end of the day, you want people in your ballpark buying hot dogs, buying ticket sales, um, and just being a part of the overall environment. Um, however, I think financially, small market teams will definitely be able to survive. And then, um, with small market teams, you're not going to have home field advantage. And that is a huge one because you have stadiums that sell out every single night, like in New York City or Los Angeles Dodgers or uh, all these huge markets. They're always going to sell out their uh, seats no matter what their ticket prices are. Whereas in small market teams like Cincinnati, um, it doesn't really matter because you're going to have just as uh, much of a chance to win than... uh, at your stadium than over in Dodgerland or over up in uh, Yankee Park. So um, with the fan interest rising and with um, home field advantage, I think small market teams will definitely be able to thrive under this uh, changed season. Because in the MLB, teams don't have a salary cap that will... Uh, they don't have a salary cap. They are allowed to spend as much money as they make as opposed to other leagues. I believe it's well, the only major league that doesn't have a salary cap. Yeah, they can, they can spend as mu- much money as they want. They can also take a deficit if they really want it. Now, obviously, owners are really only care about money at the end of the day, so they're not going to try to take a deficit. 
but uh, yeah, that's 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 one thing that I think makes Major League Baseball beautiful is in your you can have a true underdog story that uh, like the Oakland A's and Moneyball. Um, that Very good movie. Great movie um, that uh, rose up against the challenges of the salary cap and competed with the Yankees and and the Red Sox and everyone. So um, yeah. Uh, no salary cap um, definitely hurts small market teams in um, a regular season, but in this kind of season, it, it really evens out the playing field, in my opinion. Yeah, because that's kind of what I was going for to explain that in the MLB, that's why the salary would affect a small market team versus a major team, because you have a more disproportionate effect on the smaller market teams in the MLB versus the NBA and the NFL because of how much money they re- they bring in, whereas in the NBA and NFL, the main knock on small market teams is that they don't attract people coming over during free agency. So, for example, you wouldn't see a LeBron move over to a team like the Denver Nuggets, but you'll see him go to Los Angeles and Miami. Yeah. Now, to move on, uh, we would like to get started on the Q&A. Do you think we can go ahead and get started on that now? Yeah, sure. Okay, so we have quite a few questions from various people, and I want to start off with a couple ones that are a little bit less oriented on sports, and then we'll transition into back, the sports. Back to sports, yeah. That way we can get a little bit of personality <laughs> coming out for all of y'all. So I'm going to start off with this question. from uh, It's from my girlfriend, Cosette. Where do you want to be in life in the next five years? Uh, that's a great question. Um, with this podcast, uh, Jordan and my goal was to uh, practice uh, for the future. Is and um, we just of, want experience in spoken word, yeah, basically. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to find the best words for this. We wanna we wanna break the glass door, sort of in um, the sports world. We wanna we wanna go in with experience, um, and uh, have something to put on our resumes. And also, this is just great practice, uh, seeing what it's like in the podcasting world. I know that uh, in my future, I'd love to go into radio or uh, newscasting, journalism, somewhere in the sports media world, but I also wouldn't mind going in somewhere in the sport management world. Um, so if in five years, you know, I'd, I'd love to have my college degree, uh, maybe go back for more schooling, maybe get a great internship. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I see my, myself in five years, either, either continuing with school, having a great internship, or maybe, maybe somehow all, uh, this podcast gets us all the way through, this, uh, through the glass door and maybe I can find a great job. Yeah, because that also kind of answers the question about what led us to start this podcast is we want to get the experience and we want to be able to have practice and speaking and being able to convey our messages to people and, like I said, practice in spoken word and talking on the fly, doing research, stuff like that. And another benefit to the podcast, hopefully in our opinion, would be that we can use this sort of on a resume so in the future, if we want to apply for a higher position, we can be like, oh, hey, we have made a podcast before. You can go listen to it. Yeah, I yeah. have experience, and I think that I would be perfect for this job. So where I see my – well, not where I see myself in five years, but where I want to be in life in five years. So I want to graduate from college, and my dream is to get into the sports media world. 
And I think one thing that I want to do come coming out of college is kind of start a little bit smaller, hopefully. I mean, I would love to start bigger, but I assume that I would start a little bit smaller, and I would love to be able to maybe work for a university or any kind of college and work in their department on of the sports and be able to write about the sports. So in the future, maybe I work for the University of Colorado and I write about Buffalo football or yeah. something like that. And then I would work my way up. And then my end goal is to work in Dallas for a team like the Mavericks or the Cowboys or to work for a bigger organization like maybe Bleacher Report or something like that. But my dream for where I would be at in five years is working for a university writing about sports. All right. And here's another question. Uh, it's a personal question again. What are your majors, and why did you choose your majors? Yeah, so also going back to my um, old point, uh, I'm a telecommunications major at Texas A&M. Um, for those of you who don't know what telecommunications is, it's pretty much um, mass uh, mass media, uh, the um, kind of the business and scientific side of it. Um, so uh, broadcasting, podcasting, radio, uh, everything. You, you get you get a lot more of the technical side of it, how to do it, how to promote yourself or your business um, and everything. And then I'm getting a minor in sport management, um, which will also help me on the, on the sports side. And I'm also thinking, uh, not for sure yet, but also thinking of getting another minor in uh, petroleum engineering, just kind of as a backup plan. Uh, be, uh, maybe I can see myself going into the oil industry one day and uh, making bank over there if this whole thing doesn't work out. But I'm, I'm still banking on this. I'm giving it 100% of my energy and my goals are all orientated towards my, uh, my dream career. And for me, I am a journalism major also in the School of Communications alongside Ethan. And I originally wasn't a journalism major. I was originally a business major. But I realized that I wasn't enjoying what I was doing, and I stopped and reflected, and I was like, what do I spend my time doing? What do I find my passion in? And I realized I spend a lot of time involved in sports media, not necessarily practicing anything myself, but whether it's reading articles, watching videos, watching games, everything like that, and I'm like, this is what I know, this is how I spend my time. Why not try and make my work fun and try and enjoy what I am doing in life? So I decided to kind of 180 what I was doing and go into journalism as a major, especially because my main goal when I was going into business was to go into the sports industry anyways. So I was like, why, cut, why not cut out the middleman and just go straight to journalism and start working in sports if I can? And I also go to Texas A&M alongside Ethan, and we are very excited to see what's going on. And I also am currently working with the battalion which is a texas a&m newspaper and i work for the sports department of it although they do not endorse this podcast that that's in no way affiliated with this podcast but i am also a contributor to that as well now here is another question did you play any sports and if so what yeah so i started off with um the regular growing up i was a big baseball kid um, I actually played lacrosse for two years in middle school, and then I got into football in middle school. Um, I broke my 
uh, wrist and got two concussions in the two games of football I did play. So uh, I figured I was a little bit injury prone. Um, I dabbled in baseball just a little bit um, at the beginning of high school. Um, but then I, I uh, focused on golf. And I spent five years of my life playing golf um, for uh, my junior high and then my high school. Um, and uh, that, that's, that's the main sport I kind of um, see myself in. I, I went to districts and went to state one year, um, didn't win state. Um, but it, it was a lot of fun, and it, I feel like it shaped me a little bit as a person uh, because with golf, you have to be able to control your emotions and just and focus on the next hole and um, uh, uh, just just forget the past, uh, the holes that where you have messed up because you pretty much, if you play around a golf, you're going to find a, uh, yourself making a bunch of mistakes and things you wish you could go back on. Um, and I, I feel like that's taught me a lot about uh, the same aspects in life and just focusing ahead. Um, setting your goals, being very goal-oriented, and uh, not dreading on the past. So for me, I grew up mostly playing soccer. That was my main thing that I spent my time doing in sports, and as well as basketball. I mostly played soccer and basketball. But then once I got to junior high, there was a track and cross-country team for the junior high, and I devoted my time for that because I always thought that I was pretty fast. And I focused on that. I gave up the basketball and the soccer and put full energy into cross-country and track. And I also played football in junior high. But then I realized that I can't really play football and also run cross-country and track because overlapping seasons meant that it was taking up too much of my time, too much of my energy, and I was exhausted. So I realized I am better at cross-country and track than I am at football, even though I love football more. I just knew I was better, and I, I'm a competitive person, so I wanted to put my energy towards what I could perform best at. So I ran cross-country and track all throughout uh, high school, and I, I would say that I was fairly competitive. I wasn't anything spectacular. I was a multiple-time letter. I was on the varsity team, and I, was, I, I'm, I, just, I just loved cross-country and track while I was there. It was a great time, and I wished I could have played football in high school, but unfortunately, it just didn't work out for me. I mean, I'm not exactly the ideal size for it anyways. I'm five foot seven, but I would have loved to have been able to do it, but there was really no future success that I saw in football, so I went with what I had and ran with it, pun intended. <laughs> so one more question is, what is your dream job? Yeah, um, oof. Every, every kid's dream job as a sports fan is, is a general manager or an owner of a uh, sports team. And I, and I would sit here and lie to you if I told you that wasn't my dream job. Um, I mean, that would just be absolutely amazing. But um, What would you call your most realistic dream my job? My most realistic dream job would be going with my major in um, sports media um, um, either being like a, a sports anchor on a, uh, um, on a, a news program or, or being a podcaster or going into radio, even though I believe podcasting will fully replace radio within the next five years. Um, uh, somewhere on that, somewhere I can just sit back, enjoy sports, and, and share 
my opinions on sports with the world and um I, that's just the dream job, I believe. It's, it's a lot of people's dream job. The sports industry all around is extremely competitive, um, and a, a, lot, a lot of people uh, don't realize how competitive it truly is. But even having the podcast like this, it, it, really, it really sets us ahead, I believe. It really um, allows us um, to have just a little bit of a foot up on the rest of the competition um, knowing that we have experience in this and um, we definitely enjoy it. It's something we can find sustaining. Um, um, I, I think that goes a long way uh, in the competitive nature. So, um, yeah, to sum it up, uh, somewhere in a news program, uh, radio, podcasting, or maybe working for the media relations of uh, a, a professional team. I, for one, am the type of person that likes to be a little bit less in the limelight. So I wouldn't mind being like a TV anchor in any way, but I'd say more so my dream job would, to, would be to do something like radio or podcasting and be able to get my opinions out there without being so like in the national spotlight. I would, like, I would not really enjoy being a major anchor for ESPN. I would much rather be a kind of lower level person who still garners interest from people and has a more like devote devoted following but my dream job would be sort of yeah to be like a radio host or to be a or to be a um writer for a team as i mentioned the Mavericks or the Cowboys and i think something like podcasting if i were to be able to establish a career and be able to form a podcast that can be an additional form of revenue that would be another thing <laughs> that I would absolutely love to be able to take part in because for me something like this podcast is something that allows me to express my feelings towards something and allows me to put devotion towards an idea and to be able to get my opinions out there it's sort of like a place for me to tell everything that I want to say about sports in a sort of medium that allows me to instead of having to either keep it inside of me or solely tell it to my friends I can kind of get it out there to the universe and allow people to hear what I want to say and to know that people are maybe even genuinely interested in it and I find that really interesting and I also really love doing research so if it ever seems like I have a ton of statistics whenever I come to these episodes it's because I love to look into things I love to get all the real details on everything and try and understand everything to the fullest potential. So something along the lines of sports media it is perfect for me, in my opinion. So here's an interesting question. If you could be any position in football, what would you choose to be and why? And I know I have an answer for this, and it's maybe a less popular answer. If I could be the best at any position in the NFL, what would I want to be? I would honestly want to be a punter. <laughs> if I could be the best punter in the world, I would want to be that punter yeah. because you would be making good money for it. You wouldn't be making as much money as other players, but you'd be making good money for it. Yeah. And you have fairly good job security, in my opinion. And also because you aren't being pressured to, do, to perform like other positions. So, for example... 
with something like a quarterback or any other skill position or even the non-skill positions like an offensive lineman or defensive lineman, not saying that they don't take skill, but they're just not called skill positions. Yeah. So those players get constantly beat up all the time, and they suffer a lot of injuries. A punter doesn't suffer those same injuries nearly as easily. Also, a punter, unlike a kicker, doesn't have to perform at the end of a game to try and get the game-winning field goal that is win or, win or lose – and the fans will attack you if you lose. There's a lot of high stakes and a lot of pressure on a kicker to perform during the most dire moments. A punter, they're way more out of the limelight. They aren't being put on this magnifying glass late game and expected to do the right thing every single time like a kicker. And you're still making money. It's sort of like it's sort of like the same idea as being like a backup quarterback. Yeah. But also not getting hit. Yeah. So I would I would love to be the best punter that the world has ever seen. Yeah. And and, and have a personality of Pat McAfee. Yeah, I would love to be like a Pat McAfee type character where, you know, I'm involved and I have this whole like brand on exactly. punters are people too, <laughs> but not have to worry about getting smacked every play. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, with with truly great punters, um I I believe people in the league truly recognize. I remember the hype that came with Marquette Kane in his rookie season, a punter who could run for mm-hmm. the first time ever. Um, you have a punter in Johnny Hecker who can throw for one of the first times ever. You can, you can catch special team defenses off balance and things and, and kind of like a dual threat punter if you, if you can ever call one mm-hmm. uh, that way. But they, they, they can get a lot of hype with that too. Um, so yeah, that's a great answer. I really would not have thought about that. Um, for me, I've always I, I'm like any other kid where I've dreamed of being a quarterback. I was a quarterback in um, in middle school when I broke my wrist and got two concussions in two different games. Um, so for me, I've always imagined myself more of uh, a quarterback. I don't mind the limelight. Um, I don't mind the fame. You know, money. The quarterbacks are getting more and more money all the time, so I'll take the money, I'll take the fame and everything. Um, so that would probably be my go-to. But a second thing I would go to would probably be like a left tackle or someone in the line because the line gets uh, not a, res- a lot of respect from fans, but you get so much respect from your team and your teammates and uh, your coaches just actively protecting your quarterback, actively con- uh, uh, protecting uh you're running back, creating holes. So just the respect part, um, I think if I was the best left tackle in the entire league, I really wouldn't mind that. And um, just, just the amount of respect from your teammates that comes with it. You're also getting great money too. You could be sort of like a Joe Thomas where exactly. you just dominate the league well, for years and years exactly. as a left tackle. Joe and- Thomas went to, went to Wisconsin. I've always been a big fan of Joe Thomas. He lives right over by my... Uh, uh, cousins in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, I believe. So shout out to him if he's listening. Um, I'm sure he is. We're very big, especially <laughs> in Wisconsin. Huge. Oh, with Joe Thomas, definitely. Um, but yeah, Joe, Joe Thomas has actually, for a while, been a, been a big uh, role model of mine. And um, yeah, just the respect that he gets, um, not only from uh, his teammates, but he's also the guy who, who, who got respect from the entire league because everyone noticed his raw talent in uh, protecting the line, and he never missed a game. He never missed snaps. He uh, he was just 
really, really good. So I could see myself probably being either a great, great lineman or a great quarterback. And if anyone is disappointed in my answer and hope for more, I'm not sorry, but I will present <laughs> a second option as well. Um, I've always loved the running back position. Our friend Cade is a known uh, running back hater. He hates any running back, and he thinks that they're overpaid and overused and everything like that. But I am a... I'll call myself a running back purist then, but I love the running back position. Pretty much most of the jerseys I've ever owned were of Dallas Cowboys running backs. I've owned most Dallas Cowboys running back jerseys since I was born, like most of the starting running backs that we've had. And I've always loved the running back position specifically. So my dream would also be to be able to be a very, very good running back. I think that would be so fun and we will from that move on to the next question which would be if you could have dinner with any three nfl slash nba players dead or alive who would it be and why and i'm uh expand this question to maybe not just nfl nba but if there's just any sports figures that you would love to talk to dead or alive who would they be wow that is a deep one i i didn't even prepare for this question um, I didn't know it was on the list. This is a great question. I believe my number one um, dinner with any athlete, ooh, I believe it would be with Bastian Schweinsteiger of FC Bayern. Um, I was always a huge FC Bayern fan growing up. Uh, FC, FC Bayern, for those who don't know, is a German soccer team in the German soccer league. Yep. Um he was he was my longtime favorite, along with Mario Goetze. Uh, Mario Goetze was was the player who really got me into soccer. Um, I was a big Mario Goetze fan before he scored the final goal in the 2014 World Cup against Argentina. It was a big moment for me, a big moment for all of Germany. But I believe my first one would be with Bastian Schweinsteiger. Just growing up, he has so many stories with FC Bayern and... Um, uh, traveling in Europe and uh, so many cups and everything. So I believe my first one would be with him. My second one would be with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, he's probably my favorite athlete at the moment. I love him so much. Um, it's just, he's, he's just so amazing, I think. And um, being such a role model in not only the city of Milwaukee, but in the whole country of Greece, where he is, he is looked up upon, um, and he has truly brought the NBA uh, to Greece, um, I think it would be great. I have so many questions for him. I have so many questions for Bastian Schweinsteiger. Um, and my third one? Oof. In my opinion, I think Giannis deserves more respect, too, for being sort of... He, in a way, he's becoming the next LeBron and that he's becoming a face of the NBA. Yeah. But also, he is a guy who kind of came up from very little. But also that he has managed to stay out of negative spotlight. And he has exactly. not really done much wrong during any time that he's been yeah. in the NBA. And he's just been a positive figure. He's been productive for society. He's given back to communities. He's been someone who you can look up to and really admire and take notes after and try and 
replicate as a person. And, and, and if you guys are interested in knowing more about Giannis, there's a great documentary on YouTube. It's only about 20, 25 minutes long. It's called Finding Giannis. I believe NBA TV put it together. Um, but go ahead and go watch it. Uh, it. It is really inspiring. It just shows what Giannis came to the NBA um, uh, with and um, all the challenges he faced as it being a, a Greek uh, American um, in the NBA. And then my, my final one would probably be Mario Goetze again. So uh, two ger uh, German soccer players, Bastian Schweinsteiger and Mario Goetze, and then my uh, uh, NBA favorite, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, would be my three athletes. And for me, so uh, LaDainian Tomlinson was the man who got me into the NFL. When I was younger, uh, I would see him play super, super well for the San Diego Chargers, rest in peace San Diego Chargers, now mm -hmm. in L.A. For now, we'll see when they end up moving again because yeah. I feel like it's inevitable at this point. Yeah. But uh, LaDainian Tomlinson of the San Diego Chargers he is maybe the most underrated and under-respected running backs in NFL history. He was completely dominant ever since his high school days down here in Texas, went to TCU, and I would love to talk to him just because I, wanna, I would love to pick his mind at what made him so great, how he was able to dominate the NFL, and also I just want to be able to have that interaction with a man who brought me to the game that I love the most. As well, I would love to have a conversation with Tony Romo. Tony Romo is my favorite cowboy of all time. I absolutely admire Tony Romo. I would just love to be able to have any interaction with him ever. That is one of my goals is to someday meet Tony Romo and to have a conversation with him to any extent. I know that they always say don't meet your idols, but I would still meet Tony Romo regardless because I just I just want I just want to meet him, and my third person would be Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers in the NBA, and that one being that he also is another man who came from humble beginnings, but I really respect his moral code and his ethics that he's displayed the entire time he's been in the NBA. He's a very traditional guy. He is a stay in one place and bring that place up from the bottom type player. He has been in Portland ever since he was drafted and he has been fighting to bring them to glory days like they had maybe in the 1990s and to help bring them to success. He brought them to the uh, Western Conference Finals last year, although they did get uh, shellackled by the Golden State <laughs> Warriors, but he is just, he's a very humble guy, he's a very good dude. And I would just love to have a conversation with him as well. Jordan, if I one day meet a lady who is as loyal to me as Damian Lillard is to the city of Portland, I would consider myself the luckiest man on earth. Damian Lillard is that dude. Exactly. And, man, I just love watching him play. He is, I, he is the first non-Maverick jersey that I ever owned because I just had to do it. And... Uh, he he's just he he's amazing. So to recap my list, it would be Ladanian Tomlinson from the San Diego Chargers. It would be Tony Romo from the Dallas Cowboys, and it would be Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers. And now to 
round out the questions from Coco, I would like to ask you one more just per random personal question. Just name a pet peeve of yours. Do you have any pet peeve that just comes to mind? Any random thing that just ticks you off or bothers you? Um. Uh. Ooh. Uh, not really. Not really? I'm an easygoing guy. If, like, I'm trying to think of something that really, really gets to me. Um, complaining a lot on things that are fixable um, is a big pet peeve of mine. Um, mm -hmm. If you're complaining about something you can fix, just go fix it. Uh, just put in the work. Um, and uh, you'll, you know, you'll be able to fix it. I'd say that's my number one. Um, then what about you? Um, I mean, for the most part, I kind of maybe my major pet peeves would just be people that mispronounce basic words that just kind of uh, at me. me. What what'd you say? <laughs> at me. What do you mean at me? Oh, like at, you. At me. Oh, yeah. like you do that sometimes. Oh, all the time. Mm -hmm. Like there's just like some basic words that just sometimes people just don't say them right, or maybe it's particular pronunciations of words, like, for example, something that we say in the South, and then I meet someone who says something differently. So, I'm, I'm from up north, so whenever I uh, first met Jordan over here, I was talking in a thick Wisconsin accent, and um, he apparently doesn't like that. <laughs> so, uh, now that I know it, I won't use it as much. So, random examples are, for example, I say caramel, I hate when people say caramel, that drives me nuts. What what about uh, a sandwich? Uh, you say bag, right? Uh, sure. I say bag. 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 I've a never heard that, bag. but I'm so aggravated right now. What do you What do you call it? Uh, the the elementary school game. It's freeze. Freeze tag. Freeze tag. Free freeze tag. Freeze tag. That just doesn't even make sense to me. That's how I grew up pronouncing it. Now, I've lived in the South for most of my life now, so uh, I'll, for, for the most part, I'll say tag and, and bag and all this. But when I first moved down to Texas from Wisconsin, um, it, it, was, it was a thick Wisconsin accent, and a lot of people really couldn't understand half the words I was saying. Okay, uh, another random one that has to do with you being from further up north. So... What do you call the game where everybody sits in a circle and you tap people? Uh, no, you don't tap people. You walk around yeah, and then you yeah. tap someone and then you run around. What do you call that game? Duck, duck, goose. Okay, because I learned that people from Minnesota apparently call it duck, duck, gray duck. Oh, no. And I didn't know Those if maybe that was Those dirty Minnesotans. <laughs> I didn't know if maybe that was a thing that was more so north in general or <laughs> if that was just a pure Minnesota thing. That just doesn't make sense to me. Duck, duck, gray duck? No. It doesn't flow the same as duck, duck, goose. No. Okay. Well, let's transition to one more question. This one comes from our Cade friend Grayland. And he asked us, which three QBs would you choose to start a franchise? Um, I think this question is fairly obvious. Um, right now, number one, of course, would be Patrick Mahomes. Yes, easily. Uh, number two would, in my opinion, would be Deshaun Watson. I would agree with you on that one. And my number three would most likely be Lamar Jackson, just because of his showing in last year. Um, uh, now I know his, his legs will, for his whole career, not be there. And at one point in his career, he's going to have to rely on his arm. However, for the time being and for the foreseeable future, which should be a while, he's going to have his legs. 
And um, if if Lamar Jackson is at all mobile, he's going to be deadly. So I would pick those three. Pretty basic, but um, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people would agree with picking those three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I would also agree that Patrick Mahomes has to be number one. I think that is, if, if you don't know about Patrick Mahomes, he is probably the best quarterback in the NFL. And if you think that he's the best quarterback in the NFL, it's probably you probably think he's the best quarterback by a good margin. He's just doing things that we haven't Never really seen. seen. Like he, the the athleticism isn't something we haven't seen, but the success accompanied with it, as well as the offensive firepower, along with how many touchdowns he gets from long distances, and the way he's able to be sort of a backyard quarterback without throwing those interceptions that maybe a guy like a Brett Favre has done in the past. He is just a level of success that we haven't seen, and it is truly remarkable seeing everything he's done. He's about to get the absolute Brinks truck brought out for him exactly. whenever he is up for a contract because he is worth the most money that the NFL has probably ever seen. He is ridiculous, and he will get the largest contract that has ever happened in football very, very soon. Secondly, it would be Deshaun Watson. If you are not aware of him, he is the Houston Texans quarterback. He is a he, he is probably pretty similar to Patrick Mahomes in a few ways, sort of his ability to escape in the pocket and create plays out of nothing. I think that's the most valuable thing when looking at quarterbacks <coughs> is not how good they are when things are going right, but how good they are when things aren't going right. And Deshaun Watson's one of those guys who can just create magic out of nowhere. Yeah. And he can run out of the pocket, make people miss, throw the ball downfield, and do something spectacular. And he has been successful so far in his career despite being on a team that isn't exactly known for their success in the Houston Texans and he w- has been a he has been an absolute stud ever since his rookie season and I would disagree well I don't disagree in the choice of Lamar Jackson but personally I would take Russell Wilson as my third player to start a franchise around even though he is on the other side of 30 yeah he is just such an amazing leader. He's a great guy. He's the best locker room guy that you could probably ask for in a quarterback. And he does a similar thing where he is able to create something out of the pocket. One thing I love about Russell Wilson is people say that he doesn't run to run. He runs to throw. So when he gets out of the pocket, makes people miss, he is not looking to create his own play. He is keeping his eyes downfield the entire time and he is finding who gets open while I buy them time, and he makes a right play, he makes a right read, and he has had nothing but success coming in. He already has a Super Bowl win. He's been to the Super Bowl more than one time. He has been leading one of the best teams in the NFC his entire career in Seattle. And what? On Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, and he went to Wisconsin. So I would take Russell Wilson, despite being on the other side of 30, and I think even as his athleticism probably kind of goes on the decline as he gets older, I think he is such a good passer that he will even be able to transition into a role where he is less mobile and maybe he can become more of like a Ben Roethlisberger or a Tom Brady where he's mobile inside the pocket 
rather than being straight up mobile all over the place. Yeah. And I think he will I think he still has a lot of success left to achieve in the NFL. Well, that's a good pick. Um the only thing of course that held me back of that is he's on the bad side of 30. Um however, like yeah, if I if I was forced to make a franchise with Russell Wilson at the quarterback, I would still be ecstatic. He's he's an amazing player. He's an amazing quarterback. He still has a good amount of time left in the NFL where he will be successful. Um, but uh, I'm I'm just gonna take Lamar Jackson over him just age wise, um, to 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 uh, make the value of the quarterback go even further. And do you think there's anything else that we should really talk about, or do you think we're at the end? You know, uh, that's the end of the questions that I got. Okay, so to wrap things up, then, I want to say thank you for listening. This is probably a shorter episode than maybe some of the other ones, but maybe we were able to give out a little bit more personality. We are able to put something together for your entertainment, whether it's sports-related or not sports-related, and... I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you will check us out. We will be posting this on Tuesday. We're trying to regularly post on Tuesdays. And we hope that we can help provide content for you on the regular. And thank you all for your support. If you aren't following us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter at SecondDownPod, spell 2ND, down pod. And make sure that you give us a follow and help support us. Yeah. Anything you want to say? I think you wrapped it up perfectly. Nothing really else for me to say. Um, I This is being filmed on Thursday. Just one last reminder. So if something huge happens between Thursday and Tuesday and you're wondering why we didn't talk about it, uh, we will talk about it on the next podcast uh, we host. And, um, yeah, I think that does it for me. Okay. Hope you guys have a good day, and I'll see you later.